it's the start of a show, so here's a shout out to BattleBards. BattleBards.com is where you can go to get awesome audio for your games. They have soundboards so you can put together tracks related to one character or a scene or or anything you want really and group them all together and have them ready at the touch of a button. They also have a mixer where you can import your own sounds, you can add sounds that they've made, you can put them all together and make your own tracks. So if you want to introduce a setting, let's say, you can record your own voiceover, put it to music, and then instead of stumbling through notes, you can just hit play, which is pretty awesome. And it'll already sound better than me. That's great. (laughs) They've also just soft-launched their Patreon, where you can go along, give them X amount of money every month, and you can start having a say in what they're going to produce next. I'm going to stop talking now and just let you listen to one of the things I put together entirely from BattleBards Audio called The Gatecrasher. was fun i'd like to also draw your attention to something that some friends of the show have put together unless you've been living under a rock you've probably heard of the one shot podcast if you have been living under a rock go and google one shot podcast then listen to a hundred or so hours of them playing awesome games and then come back to me and listen to this are you done it's cool wasn't it right so cat and james have created a game called noisy person cars which is all about making up silly voices and having fun and practicing your NPC voices all in the guise of a beer and pretzels party game. Get yourself on a Kickstarter, have a look at it, watch the videos, do the backing, give them money, they're awesome people and it's an awesome project. And if you're listening after the Kickstarter, then go to a store and buy the damn thing and play it and have fun. Go! Hi, this is Paul. Welcome to Sword Nut Radio. You may have noticed the different music playing at the start of this episode, and that's because this episode is the start of our Dark Heresy campaign. Dave will be running it, and the idea is it's going to be an episodic campaign. In this episode, Dave and I go into a lot of detail creating a character. We had originally recorded a session where we all sat down and created characters. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, because of some technical issues, a lot of that was unusable. Uh, chiefly that while Dave was mic'd up and all sorts of stuff, uh, his computer failed to record. We have sorted that problem out, but it meant that the audio was quite noisy. It, combined with the fact that this character creation process is quite heavy on the numbers. 
So there wasn't much talk of story and uh, character relationships and that sort of thing because we were all very concerned about getting our characters right and coming to a new system completely cold. And so it ended up not being terribly interesting to listen to for most of it, but then the parts that were interesting weren't good enough quality to actually put out. So I'll just summarise really quickly. The campaign is going to take place in a hive. That is a planet-wide city with individual spires and things that are considered individual cities and territories themselves. We are in the under-underhive, the very lowest bottom level, where we live off of the leavings of the leavings of people who live off leavings. We are a street gang, and in the session we didn't quite get to naming them, but later on I think we settled on the badgers. (laughs) We're low-level thugs, we're all pretty young, because life expectancy in the under-underhive isn't great. We don't know much about the lore of Warhammer 40k or Dark Heresy because of where we are, which fits in very well because hardly anyone around the table has actually read any of the books or played the games or that sort of stuff. And while we are kind of doing some research in that, we're still going to be pretty ignorant. And that was something that Dave planned for in his story setup. I'll let the chaps introduce their characters when we air the first actual play session. It's already been a lot of fun and I hope that you enjoy it too. On with the show. This is Paul and I showing you how to bumble through and make a hash of making a dark heresy character. I have a migraine and I'm going on very little sleep and Paul is so this should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 cut that out and because uh, <laughs> you never know there are people who do listen. So I I, I will scramble that. Uh, I am kind of working on five different screens because I can't stand working for in PDFs. Um, unfortunately, I have ordered the core book. I've ordered the core rule book, which came down from 70 quid down to about 45 this weekend. So I've Jesus, ordered that. It's that expensive. Yeah, yeah, because it's, um, it's not direct supply on Amazon. It's uh, it's all through dealers. But oh, I've, I've ordered that, and I have I've now set up a screen a separate screen where I can have the PDF and, I'm, and you can see my character sheet. Yeah. So this is going to be uh, sort of a system spotlight, sort of a character creation session to supplement what we did previously. And maybe we'll like intercut it with what we did on the night uh, with yeah. everyone doing their stuff. But with everyone doing their stats, it got really confusing. Um <laughs> And I, I'm looking forward to pulling the audio just from uh, Biddy's mic where he's sitting there going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, for about ten minutes. I love the fact that he spent all that time thinking about how much the collective point spread was. Yeah. And then, of course, because he thought about it in, in huge, he thought about it really deeply and made up a new system. It didn't work at all, and I had to redo it with him almost completely. <laughs> <laughs> Use the rules. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, your character won't be legal. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always the way, like, you always try to understand something by what you've done before. Um, I guess, yeah. So, hopefully this will be illuminating. But I've never played Dark Heresy before. I've listened to Chaosium games, I've listened to D100-based games, but this is a bit of a new beast to me. Uh, the stats are all different, the way in which you calculate success is kind of different. Mm. So we'll 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 go through this and and see what kind of things need explaining and and what don't. Okay. So 
I mean, in broad strokes, I mean, it's a completely different system to everything else. But to me, the, the comparison is just, you know, Dark Heresy is metric. It's confusing to start with because you're not used to it. But mm. everything has a lovely logic. <laughs> and and uh, Dungeons and Dragons is most definitely Imperial. <laughs> All You just have to know the numbers. They don't make any logical sense. They just are. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Like armor classes and all that sort of stuff kind of well actually okay right uh for for a bit of D lore here this this might make more sense of D and why things are 3d6 and and you know for your character stats and then why you have character stats versus bonuses and all that sort of stuff the check the the standard check right through till about second edition was not here's a here's a target number you're trying to get it um that was that was still that was done but it was much more a case that you would roll a dex check, for example. You would roll a d20, and you were trying to roll under your score, just like the d100 system. Ah. So if you had an um, an 18, it's why you could you could never have higher than a an 18. It was all like 18.00 and 18.045 and all that. Because if you had a 20, you could never fail a check. Right. See, the fun thing in this in Dark Heresy is is that isn't actually true. Hmm. Because of how much you use situational bonuses and minuses as a G- as a DM or a GM, uh, you can actually get a hundred and above a hundred. Mm. There will you will come up later on. You will come up against enemy enemies who have a hundred and twenty point a hundred and twenty percent success rate in their weapon skill. Mm. So as I as I understand it, what it's based on is the abstract is for for using skills and characteristics and all sorts of checks. The abstract is a normal person's chance of success at something under pressure is 30%. Is 30%, yeah. But it's it's under pressure. It's not a routine activity. It's yeah. un, it's under a bit of pressure, but not massively so. Yeah, climb a ladder is always under no pressure, under no combat circumstances. You know, a nice dirty ladder is an automatic success. You don't, in Dark Heresy, you never roll for the stupid stuff. Driving a ground car, unless there are extraordinary circumstances, and I decide to be an asshole because someone is a feral worlder and has never seen a car, is an automatic success. Yeah. It's only things, like you say, pressure is a big deal. So if you are under fire, climbing a ladder will be a test. If you're climbing a rickety, rusted ladder under fire while your coattails are, you know, while your cape is on fire, I'll Give you, a, I'll give you a negative twenty to climbing a ladder. Yeah, so you can add modifiers on that. So even if you've got one hundred twenty percent skill, add modifiers yeah. to everything. If you've got one hundred twenty percent skill, you can just. It's not you always succeed. It's yeah, you're just super. I mean, those are. I mean, one hundred twenty is a superhuman character. It's 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 a demon usually, mm. or some sort of gigantic, uh, gene stealer or you know tyrannid monster. So the circumstances surrounding what they're trying to do could actually, you know, bring their bonuses down, bring their um, bring their their target number right yeah. down. Well, I mean, the easiest way to the the most straightforward way of explaining, it, at least to someone who understands firearms, is your base range for any firearm isn't actually the range at which it's functional. It is your it is the range at which hitting something is average. It's like you say with the skill being 30. So a pistol usually at 30 meters, that's your average range. There's no modifier mm. any closer than that. And you get a bonus to hit any further than that. And you get a penalty hit to hit up to double, double your range. Mm. And then there are skills. There are skills, feats and things, uh, which in this are skills and talents, which take your range beyond 
that and you can hit things beyond that number. Mm. But that's so everything is every everything is it's not an absolute, it's your average. Okay. So in terms of the stats, before we go into what kind of character I want to roll, uh we start off with the characteristics, right? Yeah, your influence isn't one of these, so just blank that. Oh, influence. Okay, so let's get rid of that. Your influence is a characteristic, but it's not a. It's a completely different characteristic. Okay, so we're starting off at five points above the recommended starting point or the, the basic. So we're starting off at thirties across the board rather than twenty fives. Yep, and that represents the average thirty thirty percent chance that someone will succeed at something. Um, so if I roll a d one hundred and I roll twenty nine, I succeed. If I roll thirty. I succeed. If I roll 31, I fail. Yeah. Okay, cool. And we need to adjust these. You do indeed. How are you adjusting them? Right. You begin adjusting straight from the off. Uh, you want, you probably want to do this before assigning. We're doing, we're doing point by. I always prefer point buys mm-hmm. to rolling. Some people like rolling. That's up to them, but point buys to me just make more sense. Uh, it also means you don't get the plunker character and the unbelievably OP character in the <laughs> game. So you start off by modifying your characteristics by choosing a home world. Now, you kind of have to do everything at once. You can't just do your characteristics and other things. You just go through the process and you pick up little bits mm. uh, as you go along your home world, your background and your role. And you may be confused. You know, what is, how does this stuff all work at the end? It won't make sense till the end. Like your characteristic modifiers are immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, your how your aptitudes work isn't evident till you start spending XP, but they are very important. Okay, so we're starting on a hive world, so I've just gone easy peasy go for the hive background. Yeah, uh, the hive home world. So you have these things that are going to modify how your characteristics go: uh, the home world, the background of the role, um, and then you have your aptitudes and your elite advances and, and all that sort of talents and all that sort of stuff. But for the moment, it's the home world, the background, and the role that's important. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Elite advances are again. That's an XP spend. Okay. They're kind of like a, a second role that you get via XP. So it yeah. gives you a couple of extra skills. It gives you some cool stuff like Psyker or Inquisitor. Yeah. And they can be taken at any point in the future. Any at any point where the GM allows, and you have the XP and you meet the prerequisites, um, you can do it. Like to become an Inquisitor, you have to have pretty high influence. <laughs> yeah. So you don't go up a level and gain. A load of um, level-related bonuses or new feats and new stats and things like no. in D&D, you are continually improving by spending your XP. Yeah, there are no levels in Dark Heresy 2nd Edition. I love that fact. Is is there a way that you can improve your skills by succeeding at them, like in Call of Cthulhu? There is not. Um, I mean, the DM can allow and give bonuses for roleplay and cool things. Yeah. Um, there are sort of recommendations of uh, things you can do for anything. The one where you can avo- you can up various sk- various some um, some for characteristics and skills outside of XP spends is actually bodily enhancement. Okay. So you can get a mechanical arm, which will increase your strength. You can get mechanical eyes, which will increase your perception. You can get um, that grown muscle grafted into your skeletal <laughs> frame, and that'll change some things. Uh, when you wear power armor or other sorts of uh, bionics, you know, exterior bionics, 
they can increase or decrease various different characteristics. Okay. So we've come to the first part that we need to, to think about. Um, actually, I'll, I'll let you know that my, my character name was chosen by a random dark heresy name generator. <laughs> Elvis Panzera. Oh dear. Elvis Panzera. I just, I love it. <laughs> That is the first name I've ever heard of from a random generator that doesn't sound naff. Yeah. It does uh, sound naff, but it's good naff. It's good naff, yeah. A lot of them were like Parsifal and, you know, sort of, uh, Arthurian sort of names. I didn't like that. I, I mean, like, bear in mind, we're, we're, we're how long away? Like 50,000 years away from Elvis at this point, so. Oh, we, we don't actually know the history. There was a huge span of history. We're, we're 30,000 years into the Imperium, and before that, there's this whole black period called the Dark Age of Technology. We just have, have no clue how that long that lasted. And the Dark like Age second... of te- yeah, the Dark Age of Technology is actually the bright shining age of humanity, isn't it? Well, the, yeah, when humanity, but t- typically hu- humanity managed to self destruct during that period. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I found very, uh, very compelling, and and something I want to sort of build my character around the idea of of that 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 fall of technology from its um, hallowed place. So we're coming to this part in the, the core rulebook where, and anyone who, who hasn't played Dark Heresy before, do not skip the background reading. Don't skip the um, the introduction where it tells you what the history of the, the world is, what, the, what the, the setting is, because it's a very different idea to what you're thinking. Even if you're thinking, you know, horrible dystopia, you probably haven't got it right. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a very unique setting. Yeah, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I mean, I read the novels. I don't play the tabletop. Mainly because of time and money and the people sometimes that both the other people that play it. Yeah. But I do love the, the, the setting I just absolutely adore because it is so varied, so vast and so deep. I mean, you know, I don't know how many other mythologies have had this many people contributing in a positive way rather than being confusing. It's just wonderfully complex. Hmm. Uh, just as a, an aside on the tabletop game, the war game, my Mrs. Uh, Cheryl, when she was younger, uh, thought, oh, I'll give this wargaming thing a go just to see if it's if it's my bag. It turned out she didn't enjoy it that much. But what happened was she went into the games workshop, said, um, I've never played before. Can you teach me how it goes? And so they sat her down for like five minutes and showed her the rules. And they said, right, do you want to just play a test game, whatever? And then she blew five guys out of the war. <laughs> that was kind of my experience of playing it as well with other people's armies. And then they didn't want to play with me anymore for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're looking at the hive world then, and there's there's a bunch of background on this, and I suppose a lot of that. This is the vanilla setting, but a lot of it is going to come from the the, the GM. And hive worlds vary, so a hive world is basically a world that's all city that is up to like several hundred meters worth of just city levels, and then there are these towers which are the cities within the city, and then the regions, I suppose, these huge kilometer, two kilometer, three kilometer high towers, and we're in one of those right at the bottom, um, being the assholes. I mean, technically, you're below the bottom. <laughs> you're in the sumps. You're not even in the underhive. Awesome. The first thing that comes on here uh, is is there's a little box and it says uh, hive world rules, and each one of the, each one of the backgrounds, each one of the home worlds, home worlds, and roles, and all that, all have these boxes that give you just just the the, the what do I want to call it? Just the crunch, just the rules. So, yeah. characteristic modifiers for a start. It's saying agility. Perception are both pluses. 
and then mm-hmm. willpower is a minus. Now, if you're rolling stats, I think the idea is you roll 3d10. Uh, you normally roll 2d10 and just take that. Yeah. Plus 20, I think it is. Uh, and that's your score. But if you're rolling and you want these things, everything that's a plus, you roll 3d10, take the two highest. If it's a minus, you roll 3d10, take the two lowest. Yep. But on this one, we're just going with a straight point by, so... It is plus 5 to your agility and perception, and minus 5 to your willpower. Okay, so... So you're easy to mind-rape. Ah, excellent. So 35 agility, 35 perception. Okay, that's going on there, and 25 willpower. Then it says fate threshold uh, yep. is 2. So I'm going to... Got a, a little fate point thing. I'm going to fill out fate threshold is 2, and... There's a thing for current, so is that going to be two? Okay. So you you both use and burn fate points. You use fate points because you get them back at the beginning of every session. They do all kinds of fun things, bonuses, you know, bonuses to your rolls, re-rolls, things like that. So you use them while you uh, go. Yeah. And burning a fate point is a, is, is a save my life thing. So that it's, takes it's your threshold you. down. So that's your It takes maximum. your threshold down and you burn it, it's gone. Um, they can be recovered under extraordinary circumstances. I can give them out. But if you are going to die, if your head's going to explode because you've just been shot between the eyes with the equivalent of a 50 caliber sniper rifle, uh, burning a fate point will take that down to you just barely survived. Mm. It, it is essentially the emperor's how much in the favor of the emperor you are <laughs> that you can actually twist fate to favor you. Uh, so you can't just go... I, I stare down the bullet and it stops, kind of thing. It's, it's, you, no. instead of getting shot in the head, uh, you're shot in the neck and, you know, you're still in a bad way or someone blows your arm off or where it's Basically, you look at, you look at the crit tables mm-hmm. and the crit that would have killed you, you just go down. It's usually to about, instead of, say, if you get, if you have to, if you have a nine or a ten on a crit table, it'll probably take you down to a seven. <laughs> so you will definitely lose both your eyes. You're hideously maimed and disfigured, but you live. That might be a good thing. She might get new eyes. <laughs> you might get new eyes. Yeah. Indeed. You'll always be ugly, though. <laughs> what Emperor's not, what Blessing. It? Yeah, it's in parenthesis next to the fate thresholds is Emperor's Blessing. It says six plus here. Basically, um, that means if you roll over a six, you get a third fate point. If I roll, you roll over a, a six. Ten, roll over a six, you get a third fate point. Do I do that now, or is that a... Yeah, go ahead and do it now. Okay, let me get a... Uh, no, my dice are all the way over there. Okay, I'm not going to... Do you want me to do it? Uh, never let the DM roll your dice for you, dear God. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm surrounded by cables and things, so if I get I up, everything's going to go. Just so. do it later, then. No, 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 it's, uh, online die roller, here we go. I absolutely, and I don't have my phone on me either, so I can just, I've got like five die rolls on my phone. So, uh, I'm rolling a d10. Everything yeah. in this is a d10, isn't it? Everything is a d10. Uh, Which I got a three. Bugger. That's bollocks. Oh, well, okay, so I'm not that lucky. You're not that you're not that favorite of the emperor. Mm. Okay, homeworld bonus. Yeah, these are essentially homeworld specific feats. You can only get this particular ability if you are from that homeworld. Uh, in this case, because you're hive world, it's teeming masses in metal mountains. A hive character, a hive world character, ignores crowds for the purposes of movement, treating them as open terrain. When in enclosed spaces, he also gains a plus twenty to navigate surface tests. So basically, you grew up around huge crowds of people, uh, and in enclosed mega cities. So you're used to them, which can be quite useful. 
Okay, so I'm just paraphrasing that on there. So I've got ignore crowds for movement, plus toy navigation in enclosed environments, enclosed spaces. Okay. Yep, that's but, that's, but that's not a flat bonus to my navigate checks. That is just in that exact situation. In enclosed spaces. So okay. that would be that, I think, yeah, so I personally would rule that that would mean inside um, spaceships because they're, you know, basically city-sized. Mm-hmm. Floating war machines or trade vessels. Um, but say, hive cities. walking down a, a, a not very populated street, for example, in a hive city, would that still be an enclosed space or would that be? Yeah, every, and any situation inside a hive. Okay. So even in the underhive, which is more of sort of a underworld wilderness, you get, you get those bonuses. And the crowd bonus is universal. You can always deal with crowds regardless of the type or setting. Cool. I'll remind you of that when it comes to a swarm of demons. I don't think a swarm of demon <laughs> is a crowd. <laughs> Unless I they think you're one. Differ. Uh, <laughs> home, home world aptitude. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be that sort of game. Um, <laughs> so this is where things start jumping around the character sheet. So I put that in talents and traits. Yeah. Um, and then we've got this little other thing called aptitudes, which you've got talents, traits, and aptitudes. Now, being someone who speaks the English language, that's all the same word, essentially. Um, yeah. But for game purposes, they're different. They work differently. Um, so I've got this uh, perception is my aptitude. Perception. I'm just going to write that down. And oh, your first aptitude. Oh. And I don't know what that means yet, but I, I suppose we'll get into it. Then. Uh, yeah, let's leave it, the explanation of aptitudes yeah. for for later. That's. Because at, but... at the moment you're just sort of picking them up, and then you'll figure out what they mean later. Yeah. Because you don't really have a choice at this point. Okay, wounds. Uh, wounds. What is this? Your HP? Yeah, those are your hit points. Wounds. Okay, so somebody else has actually cop- copyrighted hit points. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, they haven't hit copyrighted health points. So, okay, so this is wounds. Um, so that that confused me to start with. So I start with this many wounds, and like I, I'm already wounded. That's how many wounds you can endure before taking critical damage, is the concept. So where are my wounds on the character sheet? Your here? wounds are right down next to the image of your character and armor attributes and all that. So the uh, picture of you. Page two. Page two. Okay, I just got a move. Top right. You. There we go. Okay, so um, this is... Eight cons- plus 1d5. And 1d5 is 1d10... Divided by two. Do you round up or down? Up. Okay. I'm going to roll a d10, not a d5. So. The rule in, in Dark Heresy is always roll, roll, always round up. Okay, so I rolled a 7. Uh, so that's, that's 4. four. Okay. Nice. Uh, 8 plus 4 is 12, is it? Yep. So we're darting back and forth between things. This is why I hate PDFs. So 12 current wounds, uh, 12 total wounds, starting with 0. Starting with 12. Starting with 12 current. Yeah, a countdown. Okay. I guess you could count up, but I count down. <laughs> okay. I'll fill these in for now, uh, but when I actually print it, the things that are going to change, obviously I'm going to wipe so I can fill them in with a pencil. Okay. Okay. Now, here it actually has recommended backgrounds on the bottom of the Hive Rules sort of window. Yeah. Now the annoying thing with this is, is as the splat book comes out, splat books come out. Mm. Obviously, recommended backgrounds 
<laughs> there are backgrounds that aren't in the book. Yay! So you just kind of have to figure out which ones work. But yeah, that's splat books as a whole. They don't always seamlessly integrate. So that's your home world. And what did you decide to go for for your background? Now, just to give you an idea of background, background is, is not – it's kind of what you did before. It's what you – yeah, it's what you did before becoming a member of the Inquisition. In our case, because we're actually starting off the whole first scenario or short campaign is instead of, you know, asking each player to come up with how they met their Inquisitor, I'm having them meet the Inquisitor in-game and get recruited. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, if they don't screw everything up or perform horribly or kill him, which <laughs> I could see happening <laughs> considering some of my players. Uh yeah, so they're actually, that's gonna be, they're gonna join as, as a group, hopefully. Uh, we are now on the enemies within. Cause, um, I, I kinda wanted to go tech priest thing, but that's not possible if you're not from a, um, Forge world. For a Forge world, so I'm going for heretech, but the idea is, I like, I really like the idea of the tech priest in that it's, it's a religion and it's uh, lots of arcane stuff going on. Like it's advanced, advanced technology being, uh, you know, being the same as magic. I, I really, I really like that idea. So I, I kind of wanted to go with tech priest, but in the absence of a tech priest, we'll go with heretech. And that makes a lot of sense because a tech priest comes with loads of stuff kind of loaded onto them. Um, having been brought up in that situation. Yeah. It's essentially a priesthood of technology. So you have to sort of play, uh, within the strictures of your religion. You know, it's like you're saying, I'm going to play a Catholic priest. Well, you have to play a Catholic priest. You're not very, you're very limited. Whereas Heretech, you're an unsanctioned tech user, uh, a dabbler. It gives you a lot more freedom. So as soon as they put this in, I just thought wonderful because I've had so many in the, in first edition Dark Heresy, I had so many people who wanted to play techies, but then really sucked at playing tech priests. And to be honest, I, you, you are probably out there, people who can play tech priests interestingly and believably and sort of vaguely in line with the mythology. But I haven't met any of you yet. <laughs> <laughs> tech, well, from my experience, tech priests are extremely difficult to play. Well, I think, I think there is that you, you've really got to get your head around the law. Now, I don't really intend to do that for this game. But going forward, I'll start reading up on things. And the idea is that this guy's cobbled together some knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, and the fun thing about Heretech is you're playing him almost like he wishes he was a tech priest. You can play a Heretech any way you damn well please, which is what I love about it. You can just play him. He just cobbles together and figures out how things work mm -hmm. and as sort of an empiricist, which, of course, is anathema to tech priests. <laughs> Where everything is the way, you know, things are prescribed, been handed down for thousands of years, how things are done, how you worship the machine saints, and any innovation is anathema and heresy. Whereas tech, heretics can innovate and they can play and they can do things at the risk of being burned. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like, I like the idea that, um, if he becomes an inquisitor squad type guy, then, um, he'll be, see, I don't know any of this terminology. I think I like the idea that if he does become, um, official in some way that he will try to be more of a tech priest and try and, and try to go along with the orthodoxy and all that sort of stuff so that'll be interesting and it'll be fun for you to play him like that the mechanicus would never accept that oh absolutely yeah absolutely and also the i mean the fun thing is is when you look at the type of 
acolytes. You know, I've had, I haven't made an inquisitor character yet. Uh, one, cause I don't need him and it's a lot of work, but two, because I have to make the kind of, you know, the, the philosophical, uh, an inquisitor of the philosophical bent that would actually accept all of you. So you've got a heretic. I think we've got a mutant. Yeah. And once you get into the lore, you'll understand what kind of inquisitor would actually recruit you guys and not shoot you on sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my, my feeling is that there's, there is no zealot like a convert. Um, and well, if you just look at my point. political beliefs, that's obviously true. <laughs> I, I like the idea that that's, he's going to, it's going to be something that makes him struggle with. It's going to be something that is going to cause conflict within his character. So he's going to have to choose whether he wants to be effective and innovate and do things that aren't, you know, that aren't cool or whether he's going to be the roadblock. And I think that's going to be an interesting transition for him. That'll be great fun. I really, I really don't like, like, um, a linked PDF to me, like a hyperlinked PDF should be, if it says, there's a thing here saying fate threshold, that should be a link, say, uh, to the point where it explains what a fate threshold is. Um, and then you have a backlink. Then, uh, and a standard backlink to the place you last were is an easy thing to put in, and no one ever does it. Um, no. Or your your aptitude, you should, that should be a link to something that explains aptitudes and all that sort of stuff. That would be extremely extremely useful. The best I get is finding one that's properly bookmarked. The artwork is incredible on these things. It's really visceral. Oh, the artwork of 40K is fantastic. The font, however, in these things is a menace. Really? It's, it's, I find it really hard to read, and especially in the character oh. sheet with the form fillable PDF character sheet, you know, the, the official one. Hmm. It doesn't give you a choice on the font you use, and so you're, it's a little spidery script. Um, <laughs> and I, I can't, I can't read it half the time. Especially when you, when you're in a, a gaming situation where you don't, you don't want like bit, you know, bright lights shining in your face. Um, and I intend to print this, and it's on parchment paper. Um, there isn't a clean one that you can just print off and it won't try and print off the background as well. And it's a little spider description. You're going to have the lights probably not very, uh, high. You're not going to have, because it's, it's a, it's a horror game. You don't want, you know, bright lights, you know, just to generate some atmosphere. Uh, and so I, I find that's, that's a real flaw of this thing is I can barely make this stuff out on the screen. I mean, printed is going to be horrendous. Hmm. Fair enough. Get some glasses. <laughs> I should get some goggles. It's that sort of game. It is um, a game. Yeah, no top hat, but some goggles. All right, so heretic rules. Here we go. A character with a heretic background applies the following benefits. So starting skills, deceive or inquiry. Yep. Forbidden law, pick one. And, and again, there's, I don't, I don't know what law to pick. Uh, Medicae, or Medicae, in fact, or security, uh, tech yeah. use and trade, pick one. The way I usually do these kind of things is when it says, you know, trade, forbidden lore, pick one, just, you know, in, in, on the sheet, just tick the box and say, you know, lore one, and then we'll look at the lores later and we'll do that at the end when we sort of flesh okay. out the skill list a little bit. I mean, yeah. you'll probably want forbidden lore tech. This is the point in the character creation where you ask the GM, what skills are going to be useful? And GM goes, I'm not telling mm-hmm. you. <laughs> uh, and then you have a completely nerfed character. So, um, I mean, I would tell you, but, but the thing is, is I use, I build, I build my scenarios around the plur- a plurality of skills. 
but I'm all, my, my campaigns are also very open world. So I give you a problem, then, then I try to anticipate all the different ways you could solve it to a certain extent. And I really give you an open world to run around in. My games aren't FSPs, they're, you know, GTAs. <laughs> so w- one of the ways I get around that as a GM is, um, exactly that is, is to say, well, there's a blank space there. You don't have to fill it in. We'll, we'll get there. Just make, make sure that you know that there is something to be filled in and then we'll. we'll oh, I'd want out. you to fill it in during character creation. I don't like leaving stuff open till, till a problem arises, but you know, in a, in a bit, once we get through the, yeah. the first three or four stages of character creation, we can go down and have a proper look at lores and traits and you can pick them. Okay. I mean, so, so let, let's go through these skills then. Um, so this is going into, it's just going to be known, isn't it? Just known, yeah. just known, okay. Um, the, the way the game works is anyone can do any, can use any skill at any time, but if it's not, if you're not trained in it, if you don't know it, uh, you operate at a minus 20. Known, again, it's that, it's that standard of average. If it's something you know how to do, you just operate it without a penalty. And then later when you spend XP, you can buy upgrades, which gives you bonuses, so plus 10, 20, or 30. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think there is actually a plus 40 bonus that costs fortune and is not even on the sheet. So that's how often they expect <laughs> people to get there. Um, so we have deceive or inquiry. Now, I'm not sure what inquiry is. I think we, we talked about it at the session around the table and inquiry is it's interrogation. investigation. Investigation. There is a separate interrogation skill. But so inquiry, investigation type skill, is that a people skill? Or is well, it this on this sheet? It will have an associated um, ability. So down, let's look at the inquiry fellowship. It is a fellowship skill. Yeah, as is deceive. As is deceive. Okay, so I think um, he's probably he's he's probably got a background of cobbling together stuff and finding things out and stories and stuff about tech priests, which is how he's got a lot of his. Um, completely and totally wrong information. So let's go for inquiry rather than deceive. Now, unfortunately, they don't include on the sheet the list of alternative attributes. So they're very open to saying, well, inquiry, if you're, if you're chatting to someone in a casual sort of setting and you're trying to slowly sort of eke information out of them, you know, so that they don't necessarily know they're giving away or you're not trying to give away how interested you are in a particular thing, but trying to get them to talk about it. That's what I call, inter- in, you know, using inquiry for fellowship. When it's investigating a clue or searching a room, I might use perception. If it's trying to um, decipher, you know, trying to decipher what happened in a room, I might use intelligence. So, you know, hmm. obviously, you know, a person was thrown into a table here and then, the blood splatter. He obviously struck back with a knife, and you know that would be intelligent. So I very, very much use. And this is where they stop for a burrito. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> I failed my role. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll go for inquiry there. So this forbidden law. F F F. Where is this? F. Forbidden law. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know what kinds of forbidden law there are, but I I look forward to finding out. I think um, this is slightly different, so we'll have a look at that later. Medicae, or Medicae, I see, see how I pronounce this. I don't pronounce it Medicae, but anyway. Personally. Yeah, Medi- yeah, Medicae. Fuck it. Um, so Medicae or security. 
I think we already have someone who's going to be doing medic stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think security works better for this guy's wheelhouse. So let's go for that. Yeah. It's both, of, you know, secu- security is, is both offensive and defensive security. So it is disarming traps. It is disarming security systems and making them. So it can be quite useful. Yeah. I think we've got stabby rogue and I think we need skill rogue. Um, and this is so, oh. uh, where are we here? Tech use. Well, uh, that's not a choice. So I just get that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tech also use. kind of a for a heretic. Yeah. And trade. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would recommend armor. I think it's fantastic to have an armor in any, every group. Cause that means you can modify weapons and armor, but we can I have a look at that I, list as well. Do you know what? I think that's exactly what this guy's been doing. Cause how has he been useful in the underhive? You know what I mean? Yeah. As a bit of a, essentially a bit of a nebbish. Um, nebbish? Um, Woody Allen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woody Allen. That's, uh, he has built his career on being a, a stereotype nebbish. Yeah. Okay. I love Yiddish. I don't know very much of it, but it's such a wonderful language. It's, it's a much more descriptive, um, way of saying geek, I think, but yeah. it, it, without actually say, you know, ascribing any actual ability to them, it's like, no, he's just a bit useless. So. And Mushagas. <laughs> wonderful word. Uh, right. So starting talents, weapon training, solid projectile. Starting talents. So let's go down here. Talents and traits, solid projectile. Slug throwers. Means you you know how to use them. You know how to clean them, strip them, yeah. say the prayers, and shoot things. Uh, cool. That's also good in line with your character because solid projectiles are the most modifiable. Uh, okay. Starting trait, Mechanicus Implants. Yeah. I actually haven't had a look at that yet in this edition, so we'll have to do that later. Essentially, um, I, having gone through the Mechanicus Implants bit for Tech Priests, um, and it's just referring back to the core rule books. It's the same thing. Is that you, um, as a tech priest, you start with a mechadendrite, but there are also other things you can choose. Uh, so this one takes away that mechadendrite, um, and says you can use other things. And one of them, I think, is essentially a capacitor as a, um, or a capacitor slash interface as a tattoo. So an electro tattoo. Yeah, it looks like a tattoo, but it works like a capacitor or an interface or something that allows you to, to organically interface with other stuff. So it's not just, um, a power source, which it could be. It's not just uh, a control input, which it could be, or like your own personal USB, which again, it could be. It's also, um, okay, well, I find a mechadendra. I find a big tentacle thing. I like the look of it. So I just go, right. Okay. Boof. And it's, that's my interface for it. Um, so that'll be that. I'll, I'll figure out what that what that is um, by the time we, we start playing. It, it's probably going to be something non-visible. Um, and starting equipment. There we go. So equipment, and that's on the second page, sure, is a stub revolver with two extra clips of expander bullets or man-stopper rounds. Um, well, you're, again, one of the things about the setting is we're, we're nerfing the equipment a little bit. So I'll give you the stub revolver, but not the ammunition. Okay. Not the expand around, so just standard ammo. Yeah. Though um, ammo is a lot of fun later on. <laughs> I actually, I had a character that was uh, designed around Judge Dredd, and there was actually a modification where you can have essentially three clips that you can push a button and it can switch from clip to clip. So I actually had the explosive 
<laughs> Executor. <laughs> and I had a, a voice a voice activation unit on it, so I could just say to my pistol. <laughs> All right, so oh, let's 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 do uh, the rest of this equipment. So and we'll we'll see whether or not you want me to have it. Is uh, one web grenade? Definitely not the web grenade. No web grenade. Um, a combi tool. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember the rules of the combi tools particularly well. Let's say yes for now, and then we'll have a. I think he's at least going to have a toolkit. It might not be a combi tool, but it'll be a toolkit. So we can flavor it that way, but. Yeah. Well, that's the way it's flavored anyway. Yeah. But instead of a nice, slick, Pretty, automated tool thing, yeah. it's, it's just a, it's just a roll with some spanners in it. Yeah, they're um, rare, so you're going to have to knife yeah. that a little bit. Combi tool. Spanners. Um, <laughs> a flat cloak. You say no. Yeah, that that's one? fine. That's fine. Okay. That's really basic. Flat cloak. Uh, filtration plugs. Probably not. Maybe. Put it in and we'll have a look. Filtration plugs. Again, it'd be really useful to have this hot link to the PDF. Uh, one dose of detox. No, you can have the filtration plugs. They're common. Mm-hmm. Detox? No. No. Data slate? No. Stab light? Yeah, but you need to nerf it a little bit, so the battery needs to be crap or you know something like that. So that the stab light is basically a torch. It's a torch. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have Bob the Skull. And Bob the Skull, who we talked about, uh, is not actually going to be, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, a servo skull. A servo skull. It's go. It's going to be just a skull that maybe has some stuff in it, but is absolutely of no use whatsoever. It's more of a, a reflection of, of the character's intuition. Um, like a talisman, I suppose. And then we have... So that's it for starting equipment. Mm-hmm. Background bonus. Yeah. Master, Master of, of Hidden, Hidden Laws. Laws. You read this one. This is Talents and Traits again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Master of Hidden Law. When a heretic makes a tech use test to comprehend, use, repair, or modify an unfamiliar device, he gains a plus 20 bonus. If he has one or more relevant forbidden law skill specializations at rank 1 or higher. Okay. Very useful. Uh, relevant forbidden law skill. So, okay, so this isn't just, isn't just a flat bonus. If you've yeah. got something that could apply, you gain an additional 20 bonus. Which is pretty big. It's 20% success. Okay. Addition. But not a tech use, or not a common law. Or... Yeah. Well, any tech would be forbidden law, because only mechanics can have it. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, cool. All right. So... Common law is stuff you're supposed to know. So, you know, how the imperial administration works, how uh, military works, how, you know... So if, you, if you're from the army, you'll have common law imperial guard. Because you know you're part of the army, you know its structures, you know its oper- you know modus operandi, you know, you know if you used to be part of the administration, so adeptus administratum, you'll have common lore about them, and you'll know the ins and outs of the bureaucracies. But you don't know how your weapon works. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but so that would be forbidden law. That would be forbidden law. Cool. Um, so when it stops working, you hand it over to your friendly neighborhood tech priest. Well, you'll have been taught by rote how to do various things to fix it. So you'll be taught gun drill by rote. You'll have been taught 
perhaps some basic repairs by rote, mm. but you'll have no understanding of why they work. Okay. Um, Obviously, there there are mechanics in the military that aren't tech priests, but they're not taught, you know, this is it, how internal combustion works, and here's the chemistry of fuel. Yeah. They're taught by rote how to fix stuff that's gone wrong. In much the and same way as we, we, we're conditioned to turn it off and on again. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, none of us know programming, but all of us know how to use apps. Yeah. All right, so then we've got uh, the next section that we want to background aptitude, which is a choice of finesse or tech. Um, uh, tech is a must. Finesse would be nice. So, so I've got to choose one or the other. So I'll go for tech. Um, it does seem like the aptitudes on this are very much lower than stuff in the core rulebook. Um, by this point, I'd have something like to uh, another couple of aptitudes. I think we'll figure that out. I mean, there's a set number. You're supposed to have eight. Okay, seven if you don't count general. And the recommended roles are. Uh, Chirurgeon, Desperado, Sage, and Seeker. Fine, but doesn't really mean much to me. Um, so what do we do next? That's my, that's my heretic bit. That's my that's background. Bit. Now we choose your role. The okay. Step of character creation. Roles, roles, roles. I'm noticing that in the core rulebook there aren't a lot of females depicted at all. Um, there are a couple in the uh, splat books, but it's still a very male-oriented game here. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, not intentionally, I don't think. It just sort of reflects the lore in a certain sense. Uh, the Emperor is male. I, you know, the, the Empire is very male-dominant. There are females at pretty much every level. But, yeah... So if uh, if um, let's say we had Jen playing with us and um, your rule of thumb, which I think is a is a decent one, um, especially when you've got a dark setting, is that everyone plays a gender with which they identify. Um, That's a good way to phrase it. I was looking for that earlier and I couldn't think of it. <laughs> um, so that that kind of stops things getting a bit like in a light-hearted game. I can see that being okay because it's going to devolve into. Um, caricature and um, possibly offend people, but in a light hard game, that's kind of fine. It's you're expecting that caricature, but in a dark game, I don't think that that's no. yeah that's something you want to go for because it's, and, it's, it's I mean, getting close to home. With us, I don't think I have to spell it out. Things that are not allowed, you know. If you, it's a, this is a game where there is a specific skill which is essentially torture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interrogate. So, and you know, but Biddy sadosexual is obviously banned. Uh, Biddy will always put you in that position. He will always put you in the, in the uncomfortable position of having to flirt with his character. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Which I hate. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. I think because I hate it, they find it even funnier. Exactly. You make the GM squirm. Um, so backgrounds are all in the core book. There are backgrounds outside of the core book. They just don't really fit us. Yeah. Uh, this 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 uh, setting. So, I mean, um, that's my second core book. So, I mean, the, the ones in the other books are Adeptus Sororitas, which is the only exclusive female um, role. Yeah. Which is essentially warrior nuns. Uh, at some point, one, the, uh, the high priest of the church, the, the equivalent of the pope, tried to take over. There was a huge civil war, 
And after that, a law was enacted that in, in, in indoctrinated into the core doctrines of the church that the church could not have men under arms. Uh. So, of course, they turned around and created a, an entire sect of females under arms. <laughs> Um, just as a, a historical note, I know you're a, you're a theology major and I'm um, an anal retentive archaeologist, is um, back in the Carolingian period, I think it was, uh, priests could marry and they became so powerful because they had that idea of like they could have land and they could they could marry and they could have titles, which is a really weird concept for us today. Um, but then they got incredibly powerful because they could concentrate everything as well as you know being given stuff because they were in the priesthood um into these 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 tiny little cores of power and um they were on the verge of being you know kicked out and said you know look this is it the kings have had enough um and they said right you uh, as a compromise we'll be celibate and we won't marry Oh, is that one of the justifications for it? Because I've never understood that. Mm. I, can, I can I can see it from a. It was, it's completely at odds with the feudal system um, yeah. because it avoids inheritance as well. Because you could put everything into the church once you've got it. Mm. Uh, which is again why in the 14th century I think it was made 14th century maybe earlier it was made illegal for um, anyone to bequeath anything any land to the church. Hmm. Just fucked up. They still ended up owning more than thirty percent of absolutely most yeah. countries. Yeah, the the biggest landowners in the UK are the Crown, the Crown Estate, so the government, um, and the Church of England commissioners. And still, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and bear in mind, they it's still been illegal to bequeath land to them for the last eight hundred years. <laughs> so I mean, like roles that aren't in the core book are fanatic. Um, it's fairly self-explanatory. You're religious fanatic, uh, penitent. Uh, again, fairly self-explanatory. You're a oh, I can't think of the word. Yeah, it's up in my head. Autoflagellant. <laughs> what I what I don't like about how this PDF is is organized again is there's no summary sheet. There's no thing saying okay, these are the roles, these are the skills. Yeah, I mean, these there are is in the contents. If you find the context page, that's well, what I the, tend to use. Well, there's the contents page, but what I'd like is just a quick mm. uh, table to say. Uh, this is an assassin. This is a thing. This is a, another thing. Um, I mean, it's no great hardship to, to flip through, but I'd like it kind of spelled out for me at the start. Um, yeah, right. I mean, it, it's been a constant complaint of every edition and everything that they come out with that it's not well organized, but yet, yeah, yeah. anyway. And I think that there's part of me that, that thinks if it's difficult to put a character together or it requires effort to put a character together in a game where there's a lot of character death expected <laughs> it's it's that's the motivation for you to not just throw the characters away if it was like fate well, all you've got to do is come up with three things or fate accelerated well, all you've got to do is come up with three or four things to describe your character and then you're done or inspectors where you just assign some points and that's it it's 30 seconds um there's, there's no impetus to try and keep them alive you just roll up a new character yeah and this is and you think it's hard now wait until you have to build a character with like i think um, the inquisitorial contact I built has like 17,000 XP. Mm. So wait until you have to build one of those. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, ah oh, crap, I'm just gonna dump tons of stuff into my base characteristics because that's quick. <laughs> and easy to remember so I don't have to remember a million and one talents. So, um, I've had a look through these and I think the sage kind of fits mostly 
what I want to do. All the rest of them seem pretty uh, beefy combat roles. Um, or, I mean, you got the or, surgeon, the the curgeon, yeah, uh, and you got the seeker, and you got the warrior. This the seeker, the sage, and the mystic, and then in other as for non combat roles, and the other ones you've got an ace, which. I've never played a game where that would be useful, but it's a cool concept. You basically have one guy who's just your ace pilot. Um, and there are rules for having, uh, like your own gun cutter or your own sort of, um, planetary transport. So kind of like wash, um, for a very much like yeah. wash. Yes. You can make wash, uh, just not very useful outside of their specialism. I mean, I think they're, they, I think they have skills to where they can shoot the eye off, off the, the, the wings off a fly, but <laughs> they have other skills, but it's kind of interesting. They actually called it ace. I, as an army brat, I am, I am forbidden from playing uh, pilots of any sort. Pourquoi? Uh, the army and the RAF do not get along. Uh, <laughs> army and the enough. Navy, it's like a friendly rivalry with the RAF. It ain't friendly. It ain't friendly. <laughs> no. They have to be sure, incidents. pilots are useful because they can drive. They can they can pretty much pilot anything. So you've got like yeah. you've got basically miniature chicken walkers in the game, like Star Wars chicken walkers, yeah. but they're they're like they're more like the uh, yeah they're kind of slightly nerfed chicken walkers, and you've got tanks and all sorts. So late game, I could see a pilot being very useful because they're good yeah. at everything. But does the there's... army have the army has pilots? Yeah, the army has an air corps. Um, but they're not worshipped as much as, as pilots in the RAF are. Because imagine people in the <laughs> army want to do different things. They want to be in different roles or whatever. In the RAF, everybody wants, wants to be a pilot. pilot. So you could play a pilot, but you, that could be your core thing. It's like you hate you're 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 an <laughs> Imperial Guard pilot, not a not an Imperial Navy pilot. <laughs> <laughs> an Imperial Navy has is sort of the Air Force and the constant chip on shoulder. Yeah. Constant chip on shoulder. Yeah, that'd be fun. There's an old joke that which goes: You walk into a bar, and there's um, there's a guy in in chinos uh, sat uh, stood at the bar. Two guys sat down um, wearing double denim in the corner, and there's a group of five men all have mustaches. Which one's the pilot? <laughs> no, no, that ain't the joke. That ain't the joke. <laughs> uh, how how can you tell which one the pilot is? Don't worry, he'll tell you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that is two punchlines. That's a good joke. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's go through this then. Sage. I think I'm going to go for Sage. A, a sage is the brilliant mind with a talent for numbers, logic, and ciphers. Uh, dedicated scholars and savants. I'm definitely going the savant route. You know, these. They, he has no formal training for how to understand technology in a world where that is not something that anyone can do ever at any time. So, so massive autodidact. Absolutely, yeah. He has taught himself. Um, he believes he hasn't taught himself, but he has. Um, he might have invented his own method of, of notation, so his own sort of mathematical form, essentially. Um, so this is definitely what what is going to describe this guy. Yeah. Describe and as, Elvis. as the crunch goes, your role aptitudes are perfect. Mm. So... Role aptitudes. Yeah. Um, so it gives you all these things like role aptitudes and all that stuff, but it's just aptitudes. So it's just aptitudes. So just yeah. the aptitudes you get with your role. And if you get repetition, like with tech, you choose another one at will. Yeah. So I get intelligence, knowledge, perception, which I've already got. got. So I get a plus one there. I get to choose another one. 
I get tech, which I get another choose one, and willpower. Willpower. Very useful. And then I get... um, General. You just get general. Plus two more. Do I get general? Everyone gets general. General, it's, 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 you can write it down, you can not write it down. Okay. Some stuff only has one attribute, but for some reason they decided it's just simpler if we just say they all have two attributes and everyone has general. So that brings me up to eight. So I've got That's perception, number. tech, intelligence, knowledge, willpower, and general plus two more slots. Yeah. And I have no idea on. why they gave you so many more slots on the character sheet. That confused the hell out of me the first couple of times I made characters. Can, can you buy more aptitudes as you level up? No, there's no way no. to get more. Oh, okay. Well, maybe if you wanted to write more stuff. Maybe. Or like what, what the, the appropriate, um, skills and things are for them to help mm. you. I don't know. Um, I would recommend you probably want so talent, finesse, and offense. Be okay. like, yeah, because finesse is quite useful for tech stuff, and then offense, offense is just good at hitting things. That's going to come into into play when we do the XP buy. It so is. let's let's leave it for now, and then I'll figure out what what skills I want, and therefore what aptitudes I need to to buy. Mm. Um. So we have the next on this little. Uh, crunch box is roll talent. That's ambidextrous or clues from crowds. I don't like either of these. Ambidextrous is you're not truly ambidextrous. It's just when you're shooting two weapons, uh, when you're sort of dual wielding, you, you ignore the um, penalties. You ignore one of the penalties. One of the penalties. Um, clues from crowds. Um, I, I don't really care about ambidextrous because if it was something where you could shoot a gun while doing a tech thing, I think that would work, but he's not going to be a dual wielder. Okay, so we don't really want ambidextrous. Uh, clues from crowds is essentially your ability to pick up on rumors, innuendo, and other things. I mean, if you can come up with something that you think is a better role talent and is of sort of equivalent value, I'd probably allow that. It's essentially, the way I would play it, and this is the way I've read lots of savants in various novels, it's essentially your ability to pick up knowledge via osmosis. Yeah. It'll take a bit of creation, creative thinking of how to use it instead of just rumor gathering, but... I think I, I think I can do that. I mean, if there's uh, a way to, to apply that retrospectively as well, I mean, maybe that would be a knowledge thing. But to say, make a successful role, and it's like, well, a couple of years ago, I tailed this guy who said he once saw a tech priest and, you know, he did this, that, and the other. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll find a way to make that useful. Uh, if, if it's not useful, or if it, like, everyone's got it, then I'll change it out. Okay. Uh, role bonus. Quest for knowledge. In addition to the normal uses of fate points, a sage character may spend a fate point to automatically succeed at a logic or any law skill test with a number of degrees of success equal to his intelligence bonus. There's a lot of crunch there. It is. So, bonuses is real simple. It's your attribute tens column. So, if you have 30 intelligence, your intelligence bonus is 3. Yeah. Um, Which is why there's two separate boxes on almost all uh, your attributes, even your insanity and your corruption, because you have your insanity bonus, which is your tens, and your corruption bonus, which is your tens, and those have effects on how nasty things happen to you when you are exposed to 
either things that will drive you mad or things that will corrupt your very soul and body. It's essentially an extra test you can auto-succeed auto on by spending a fake. Yeah. So um, you'd, you'd be sort of tempted to just write, like, plus three in that, but I'm going to – I've still got points to spend up my – Oh, you're going to be dumping that, so. a lot into intelligence. It's one of your primary stats. Yeah. So that might end up a lot higher. So that is it for the crunch box there. That is it for the crunch box. So now what would you do? Now you have, I believe, 60 points to spend on your attributes. Okay. So and it's real simple. Points. It's it's not like D&D where each getting better costs you successively more points. It is literally stick them where you want them. For now. Up, for now. Up to 45. In your endo. Um, <laughs> in, in, in my head, when anyone uses the word innuendo, innuendo I automatically say in your endo. I, I can't. I can't not. Um, I, I have a friend who remain nameless, Steve Perry, who um, every time he sees a short person, not just like someone with dwarfism um, or like an actual disability, but anyone short at all, the Umpa Loompa theme song plays in his head, and he can't stop it. He knows he's wrong. He knows he's an asshole for it. Like he knows he's going to hell. I mean, I'm an asshole, but I'm a short <laughs> asshole, so he's doubly an asshole to me. <laughs> Okay, so I've got an aptitude in... Well, I've noticed here, I've got an aptitude in uh, perception and tech and intelligence. Those don't count as pluses and minuses, do they? No, they don't. Okay, so that's just for the point buys. Right. Just for so, the point buys. It's only your character... It is very specifically your characteristic modifiers that will affect your characteristics. What your aptitudes will do later on, I mean, depends on how crunchy you want to get in your initial point buy, it will affect how further, how expensive further purchases are so if you want a really well-rounded character you will use your initial point buy to buy the stuff that will be ruinously expensive later on Mm. um if you want a really well-rounded character uh if you don't it also kind of affects your maximum because you can see there's a limited number of of ticks you can only buy five advances Uh, so okay it will affect your future maximum until they bring out the the ascended characters equivalent for for second edition and then that'll go further i'm sure okay so i don't think he's he's very tough or strong i'm gonna leave those where they are um as melee weapon skill let's leave it but ballistic skill is probably quite important to survive in the very. hive intelligence is going to be my core stat uh agility how 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 much is that going to go into being um, able to your do agility effect it's one of those things it's a defense skill so it is how well you dodge stuff, but also depending upon within tech use, there is essentially dexterous little fingers that can do really delicate work. So agility is fairly important. And it's 45 is the maximum at this point, isn't it? 45. Yeah, 45 is the maximum at this point. Okay, so that's a no-brainer. Let's go intelligence is 45, um, which leaves me with 45 left to spend. Um, we're going to go with... I think a boost to ballistic skill. Let's go to 40 for that. And that's 35 to spend. Willpower. I think, I think he's, he's going to have to be tough. He's not just, uh, just some git who's got everyone looking after him. So, uh, let's go 35 for that. And that gives me 25 left to spend. Agility is useful. So let's say that he's good at not being in the way of someone's fist and stuff. So let's say 45 there. Uh, which gives me 15 to spend. And then, uh, what do you reckon? What, what would we, cause that, that's the core, but what about things that, things that are generally gonna make me less squishy or less, 
which he's, he, he is tough. He's not a, he's yeah. not a, a complete nebbish. I mean, perception would be important. You got how much left to spend? Fifteen. So say forty-five in that, and then I've got five left to spend. I would either put it in willpower or ballistics. Willpower or ballistics. You don't uh, want to be particularly friendly, so. Uh, let's go for. Let's let's put it in willpower. So willpower at forty. So right now, that's me spent up. Okay, so right now I've got thirty weapon skill, forty ballistic skill, thirty strength, thirty toughness, forty-five agility, forty-five intelligence, forty-five perception. 40 willpower, 30 fellowship, and zero influence. Yeah, it's bugging. The influence thing is bugging me at the moment. And we never came across where to generate it. I think as the GM, you can just say, well, how much influence is, you know, is something we've got. But then it's situation specific because we're in the hive. We might have a level of influence in the hive. Once we leave it, we're, we're fucked. Very much so. So I'll, I'll be, I'll be editing that along the way, but it is something that we might use in the course of our normal play, so I'd like to see where it's generated, and I don't see where it is. I, I, I kind of... I I love those moments as a GM where you can say, okay, you've got um, all this lore, and you've taken the the talents for knowing things, and, and you've taken the, the feats for you know, three more expertise type things. Okay, none of that means shit. It's it's the <laughs> it's it's the Will Smith um Men in Black one kind of like I got something to tell you about your skills, slick. <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh, as we sort of start off with a really it's like a, a decent influence rate, you know, as we're a, a gang that owns a corner somewhere. So and then we you got get introduced to the rest of the universe. And it's right down to zero. And it's like nada. And the only thing we've got is the Inquisitor but we can't really mention them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's me sorted for the point buy. I think I'm happy with that. So now we're on to the XP spend. The XP spend. Before we do that, we that do that, we need to choose your aptitudes, your two final aptitudes, yeah, which is so, sort of be connected yeah. to XP spend, but uh Um Okay, so characteristic aptitudes. Okay, so these things you, you get a characteristic or a skill and they have two associated aptitudes, and if you have none of those it costs a lot to buy more points in that. If you have one of them, it costs slightly less. And if you have two aptitudes, it costs even less. Yeah. Okay. So for characteristic advances, uh, of which there are five, mm-hmm. uh, if you have one, it costs 100. The first advance costs 100. If you have... No, if you have both of them, sorry. Uh, the advance costs 100 XP for an extra five. If you have only have one of them, it costs 250. If you have neither of them, it costs you 500 XP. Hmm. So you could... Blow your wad on ten characteristic points if you really wanted to. Yeah. Okay, so we've got weapon skill... So aptitudes. Weapon skill, offense, finesse, strength, offense, toughness, defense, agility, finesse. So in terms of intelligence, it's intelligence and knowledge of the aptitudes if I want to buy int. Which you have. Yeah, which I think I want to, which means that if I want to get one advance, it's 100 XP. Mm-hmm. If I want two, that's It'll be 350. 10. 350. So you got to buy the first one, then buy the second. Oh, yes. Um, I think I do want to do that. Um, so that will take me up to... Let me put the XP in here. So 1,000. So it's 350. 
spent already to get my intelligence up to 55. Okay, and then two ticks in the little boxes next to that. So that will help me track how expensive the... See, why is it just a little tick? Why isn't it just a dot? This is more visible. All right, so 55 in that. Is that is that significant? Is that something that's, that's going to... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, it's your likelihood of succeeding on any given role. Um, yeah. And it's all the skills associated with intelligence. Okay. And all the skills you can somehow wrangle to be associated with intelligence. You know? yeah. So much depends on your role play. <laughs> if I wanted to buy another five points in that, it would cost me an additional 500 XP. An additional 500 XP. Yeah. Okay. The idea is it becomes increasingly, you know, once you're good at something, it, it, it you know, it's harder to improve. It spends an hour. It takes an hour to learn chess. It takes many lifetimes to master yeah. chess. This is um, the the one piece of actual wisdom I'm, I might have learned in my life is that there is a difference between simple and easy. And yes. Like <laughs> it's, it's, running a marathon is simple. You just put one foot in front of the other it's for not easy. miles. <laughs> And you can walk it, but running it as hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I've got now 650 left to spend. So I think I'm probably best off putting that into skills, right? Or, or most I... likely, yeah. The, the way I'd usually do it is I, I usually buy my skills first, and then think there's nothing else that I think is heinously useful right now, and then you dump it into attributes. Okay. So let's get my skills centered there. But before we go to skills, you need to choose on choose two more aptitudes. aptitudes. And actually going off the characteristic risk lists is really useful because any skill associated with, say, you know, your intelligence, intelligence knowledge, anything that goes off intelligence will most likely be intelligence and knowledge. So okay. tech use, increasing the skill <laughs> is the same attributes as increasing the aptitude. Yeah. For the most part. So some of them are finesse, <laughs> like I said earlier. So I've got general, I've got some characteristic based aptitudes, I've got knowledge. Alright, so perception, tech, intelligence, knowledge, willpower, general, and plus two. Uh, so the offense, offense aptitudes for those who prefer an all out assault of brute force over a more careful strategic approach. Um, these guys often charge into melee. I quite like the idea of having this little guy who's not very good at melee or but has a fucking huge gun. Yeah, that would definitely be offense. Yeah, if, it's essentially offense is anything that deals damage is associated with offense. It's it's not yeah. that that's actually not partic- a particularly accurate description. <laughs> so precise skill and careful planning. So finesse is precise uh, precise skill and careful planning. Acolytes with a finesse aptitude can become expert at effectively firing effectively firing long range weapons. Or wielding exotic weapons with deadly result in personal combat. Also, uh, lots of tech use. Mm. Uh, defense. Acolytes with this aptitude quickly learn how to keep themselves alive amongst the deadly chaos of combat that often surrounds them, whether through skillful uh, deterrence or dogged, uh, dogged toughness. They weather the battlefields and violent underhives uh, while others fall around them. Psyker. Uh, I'm not going to be a psyker. Eventually, I might. No, no, I'm not. Um, tech. Uh, well, I've got that. Not. Knowledge, got it. Leadership, no, that is not me. And fieldcraft and social. Social, I don't think so. Um, that's about being slick, I think. Yeah, it's it's your fellowship skill. We've already got face in the party, so 
Fieldcraft staying alive in inhospitable environments across the Imperium uh, can be as uh, difficult as surviving in an actual battle. Acolytes with a fieldcraft aptitude easily adjust to and thrive on myriad settings. <laughs> you could play it that way. There are like there are some sort of cobbled togethery stuff that uses fieldcraft, but I think you're better off with finesse. I'm I'm sort of leaning towards finesse and defense. Finesse and defense. I, I would have thought finesse and offense. Because the, the, I mean, finance and offense would make you a more specialized character, so you'd be really good at shooting and really good at using stuff. Uh, and, and advances in that area would be cheap. If you did finesse and defense, you'd be very good at dodging and a more, and more generalist. Mm. So, mm, both damage and defense would, advances would be both moderately expensive. So it's kind of up to you. Um, so let's see. Let's look at the skill aptitudes and how these... This is where the real thought and number crunching comes in because you pick the wrong aptitudes and you might not develop in the right way. Uh, so I'm seeing... Let's see. I don't really want acrobatics and athletics and all that stuff. But awareness, for example. Perception and fieldcraft. I think he's probably quite aware of his surroundings. Uh-huh. Um... Forbidden law, intelligence, and knowledge. Well, I've got that. Uh, inquiry, fellowship, and social. Well, I'm not going to go for social. Uh, linguistics, perhaps. Intelligence, general. Got it. Logic, intelligence, knowledge. Got it. Navigate, intelligence, and fieldcraft. Yeah, okay. So fieldcraft's coming up. Operate. What's operate? Operate alt represents a character's aptitude to control and direct all manners of vehicles and heavy equipment. Hmm. Uh, stealth and survival, agility, perception, and fieldcraft again. Fieldcraft's coming up again and again. Fieldcraft is useful. They're, I think, if I remember correctly, they actually did do a, a straight split. <laughs> which, which is why sometimes it might not seem heinously logical. Yeah. But it's what you want. Okay, so perhaps I should go for... So there's not a lot of finesse in here. I'm not seeing a lot of finesse. It just occurred to me. Of course, this is skills and not talents. You might want to look at the talent tables, too. Yeah. Finesse is not in there. So finesse cannot actually help you with skill aptitudes. Huh. So defense in this is in dodge uh, and in parry and nowhere else. Offense is not in there. Um, Okay, finesse finesse is weapons, so weapon training is finesse. Quick draw is finesse. Uh, it's it's weapon skill. It's it's down in your talents is where you use a lot of finesse. Okay. But even then, it's huh? so I'm thinking fieldcraft might be the thing because I'm looking at someone who is not great at combat, not not fantastic at combat, but is good at staying alive and good at being useful. Um, oh, finesse, finesse, finesse. Yeah, finesse is combat. Finesse is very much a combat skill. Okay, so if I go for fieldcraft, armor monger is intelligence and tech. That's something you wanted. So if I go uh, fieldcraft and um, what else? Maybe defense? Maybe offense? I kind of like the idea that he's got a violent streak in him as well. Like, you push him and he'll just fucking go for it. That would be fun, yeah. Let me just check offense skills. Because offense might be more melee-based. I see. Double team, yeah. Offense, frenzy, iron jaw. Because it might be finesse... 
that ends up being ballistics. Yeah, ballistics is finesse. So he's going to shoot you. He's not going to punch you, but he'll shoot you. He'll shoot you. Nice delicate. Okay, so let's go for finesse. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense now. Because I played so much of the first edition, I'm having, with, especially with my brain, the way it's working today, or not working, double tap finesse. Double tap finesse and offense, but <laughs> finesse seems the better one for shooters. Okay, so that's that's my aptitude sorted. Now let's get on with the skill buying. I don't I don't really know about talents and things. Um, should I be looking at talents first, or should I be looking at talents uh, later? <laughs> it's kind of you gotta you gotta you gotta brainstorm what you what you want your character to be able to do, and then you find the skill for it. There's yeah. so many of them. It's and, it's it's hard not knowing the system and not knowing the the setting too well and all that. You know it's what is there to be good at, you know, without without having the, the GM sort of take you through it all or read a dozen books. It is a little bit. Um, but also, if you just think, well, I, you know, I always try to think of it. I think of a character, and then I figure out what skills will let me do that. And Dark Heresy is really good for that. It will allow you to create basically any character from any movie you've ever watched that's vaguely sci-fi. You could do, you could make a dirty hair, hairy character, you could make a, you know, Mass Effect Greg Garrus. You could make Judge, I've made Judge Dredd. You could make, you know, so your skills are basically your, your really basic, really obvious things you want to be good at. So you, yeah, I'd probably start with skills and leave myself a little bit of thought to what you want to be able to do later on. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking at talents now and these, these seem to be things maybe for higher levels, I think, to me. A lot uh, of them are if if there's nothing you you just need for your character. You know, if you don't need to be running around yeah. with a gun in each hand, if you don't need to be able to, you know, knock someone out with a finger punch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've already got armor monger, which is really useful. You've already got a couple <laughs> of other things. Uh, oh, brilliant. Uh, maglev transcendence. You need maglev coils and mechanist implants, and you get to hover. <laughs> awesome. Yep. Uh, mechadendrite use, uh, um, which you you need, you know, uh, mechadendrites. Yeah, which we don't have at this point. So yeah. I mean, maybe as a as a, a consequence of going through, if if he survives, he'll get a mechadendrite and go, oh, brilliant. Uh, it yeah, it looks like a lot of these are combat. Very much, yeah. Particularly the first level ones. Later on, there's a lot of command and. Yeah, there's there's not an awful lot of non-combat stuff in there. So tier one, tier two, or tier yeah, tier three. Yeah, we're not going to get that sort of stuff. So. Very expensive. Although those are tier two talents. Fuck. Um, tier one talents are ambidextrous, blind fighting, catfall, clues in the crowds, diehard, disarm, double team, enemy. Yeah. Oh, you can have like a good reputation. Okay, fine. Okay. Increased potency, ferric summons, summon what? Okay, now that's lots of lots of crunch. Not doing that. Mechanica stuff. Yeah. Clues from crowds. Die hard. No. Uh, disarm. Ooh. Oh, disarm is force someone to drop weapons, not disarm like a trap or anything. Um, no, that's security. Double team. Spicy. Uh. An enemy, an organizational group particularly despises the character. Why would you have that? Uh, you get bonuses when you come across them. Fair enough. So, you know, some 
groups would specialize. So let's say they specifically worked for the Order of Malleus, uh, which is demon hunters, and they'd all have enemy, the demonic, or demonic cults. And then they'd get bonuses whenever they ran into those characters. Um, it's, it's, it's a very situational kind of thing for campaigns really based around a particular, um, ordo and a particular sort of enemy. But enemies is something you, you gain through gameplay as well. So if you really fuck someone off, I will grant enemy to you, which is mm. a mutual thing. It affects how they treat you and how you treat them. Okay. So it's, it's not always a good thing. Sometimes you get saddled with it. Uh, I'm looking at technical knack here. Technical uh, knock, yeah. A technical knock, rather, yeah. Unjam the gun as a half action, so percussive maintenance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how often is, is gun jamming a thing? Uh, with your poor quality guns? Often. So that uh, might be a thing that... I, it, every time you roll, certainly even with the most reliable weapons, every time you roll a straight 100, it jams. Uh, with unreliable weapons, sometimes that number goes down to as low as the high 80s. Oh. Certainly over 96 is your average gun jam. Okay, so a tier 1 talent, uh, and I have both attributes for that. Yep. Uh, I'm not seeing where it says how much that costs. I'm listening at the moment to um, a podcast called You Don't Meet in an Inn. And <laughs> that's good. They have, uh, they do a lot of one shots and sort of explorations of um, indie games, and one of them is called Machine Heart, yeah. where you are robots that have survived the the apocalypse or whatever. I mean, you, you might be controlled by an AI and given missions or whatever, but you're built for a, a reason, you know, and that is like one of them's a, a school bot, one is like you know someone to help, uh, something to help a kid with their homework. Another one is the Beautifier, which is like a um, a home, um, like beauty salon type thing, which is a, it's a big chair with loads of robot arms, um, and then a spam bot, a literal spam bot, <laughs> uh, and some horrifying spider type creation. And uh, I forgot what we were talking about, but there was a point for that. I had a point, it's gone. Oh yeah, um, you know, sp- speaking of sort of things being badly organised and sort of badly set up and that. Here we go. Talent, talent advances. Did you find it? Uh, I'm still aptitude to. If you, it's all the way back in. Got it. Stage four. Got it. So two hundred um, XP for tier one. So it's two hundred XP. So I've got that. So they were looking through the. Um, uh, looking through all that stuff and 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 the coming up against they're having these massive arguments and all sorts of stuff because in the rule book there are no rules for PvP. Like <laughs> what what do you want to do if if one character wants to reprogram the other or um, grapples and all that sort of stuff. It's like every uh, like a lot of things involve a grapple of some sort like taking hold of something, but there are no grapple rules. And they're like, <laughs> what do, what do we do? <laughs> um because if it wasn't a podcast and stuff and they weren't trying to explore rule systems, they would just make it up, you know what I mean? It's just house rule. Yeah. Uh, and so, oh, this makes sense. Let's do it like that. It's like, well, it doesn't say, so we've got to find a way in the rules to do it. It's yeah, it's fucked up. All right, so let's say weapon knock. A lot of those skills, that particular skill, what it does is it just halves the time required to unjam yeah. a gun. Because funnily enough, in this game, firing is a half action. Yeah, so unjam a gun, half action. Okay, and that cost me two hundred. Mm. So I have now got four hundred and. 
fifty to spend. And I'd stick all that in talents. Well, skills, in skills rather. Yeah. All right then. Um, hmm. You almost definitely want dodge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whatever it costs, you dodge, want it. Dodge. Uh, dodge is agility and defense. And defense. Which I I have neither of. Oh, fuck. Uh, Do I not have agility? No, I don't have agility. You have agility. Uh, Do I not? No. Oh, no, that was just in my hive thing. Never mind. Uh, Yes, I don't have agility, so dodge is going to cost me... A ton. For one, to to have it known. It's going to cost... Oh, fuck. It's going to cost me 300. So, yeah, let's do that. Um, it is where that it essentially doubles the, doubles the amount, the, the number of times you'll be able to not get hit by things. <laughs> reasonably important. So dodge reasonably important. is known. Uh, so I have 150 points to spend. <laughs> and there's no, there are no possible skill advances at 50 or intervals of 50. So I've got... No. One, I can get one skill talent known, or one skill known, as long as I have both, um, both aptitudes for it. Yeah. So, uh, what's that gonna be? Um, so I've already got tech use known, so that's fine. Logic you could have. Oh, logic, yeah. Um, you will have to really roleplay logic for me, cause I've, Always been really bad at figuring out how that one's used. But then again, most of the time I will ask you to role play everything, so. Okay. Navigate, so Medicaid. Let me have a look at my, um, aptitudes again. So if I have, uh, well, awareness I could go for. What's, what's awareness generally useful? It's how you, how aware you are of your environment. It's, it's, it's a real straightforward sort of perception check kind of thing. Perception is if you are specifically looking for something. Awareness is... So passive perception. It is passive perception. Okay. I was just thinking, can I make, can I be nice to him and give him the alternate characteristics for dodge? Alternate characteristics for dodge, nil. (laughs) (laughs) Dodge and parry are the only two where there are no alternate characteristics that I can allow. (laughs) Weapon skill and defense. I don't really have... Well, I've got a weapon skill. I don't really have. No, you've got a, yes. sk- a, a skill, not an aptitude. Yeah. So I don't have that. Uh, security. I've got that. What's survival? Uh, perception of fieldcraft. So I could buy that. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's turning you into Ray Mears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not Which sure that's. Twigs to eat. No, probably not. Yeah, I'm not, not sure that's me. So I'm thinking at the moment maybe linguistics. Linguistics could be good, particularly if there's like machine code. It's logical linguistics, really. But it's something you would have to. I mean, linguistics. I mean, yeah. The only things you could ever having have come across are high gothic, high gothic, and low gothic. Low gothic is what you all speak. It's sort of all dialects of, sort of from English to Singlish. Yeah. 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 Um, high Gothic is more like Latin. Mm-hmm. It's things like, you know, Adeptus Administratum, things like that. I doubt you'd have been able to glean. Maybe you'd have been able to glean enough off of rubbish and official, you know, ends of official documents to have learned that would not be at all useful, at least in the first bit of this campaign. 
Mm. Um, I don't know whether linguistics linguistics would be used for like machine code. I think that's a tech use. Yeah. So I wouldn't really go for linguistics to be honest. I mean, later on, certainly ciphers might be something that's logical. Again, not hideously useful early on. You know, you're you're dealing with gang members, not. (laughs) So logic. You calling me not subtle? I'm not subtle. What? So for logic, one minute or longer for particularly complex problems, the logic skill represents the ability to think rationally, solve puzzles, dissect information clearly and quickly, uh, analyzing complex statistics, architectural anomalies, or even achieve some degree of understanding with regards to complex technologies. Logic would be cool and, and more generally useful. It's something you could choose to apply to various mm. situations. Okay. Very much makes you the egghead of the group. In many instances, a character's ability to comprehend logical phenomena might be impeded by its belief system, including his faith in the imperial creed or omnisire. Characters who frequently need to identify or resolve complex situations can hone this skill through complex, after frequent use. The variable involved in any logic problem determines the inherent difficulty of logic tests, blah, blah, blah. Okay, That's, that seems about right. I'll go for that. Uh, uh, you know, you can roleplay that as, as intuition again. Yeah. Kind so of. that's me spent up, but I got fifty left over. Just happens. Well, I've got it there to spend, so you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't go away; you just keep it, and you can yeah, play, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you've got it to, to go go forward. I uh, do keep track of how much you've spent. Total. Okay. How much I've spent? Yeah. I don't know if it has any effect in this game. Did in the old one, you had to have spent a, spent a certain. In the first edition, you had to have spent a certain number of XP to unlock further things, but. Okay, fair enough. I think they did away with that. Uh, there might be, it might, there might be, um, yeah, there are some, for some of the elite advances, you have to have had a certain number of XP spent before you can spend I the see. XP to buy them. All right then, so let's do some of the fun stuff: uh, divinations and um, like some malfunctions here, like quirks and all that sort of stuff. So let's let, let's do that. So divination. Where are we gonna find that? Uh, giving stage five. Give a character life. Page eighty-five. Scroll, 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 scroll. This is again why I hate PDFs. You've just got to keep scrolling. Just to look at it in a way that you can read, you've got to zoom in. But then, to get to the page you want, you've got to scroll, 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 zoom out, zoom back in again. See, because I, I don't spend much money on these things, because I don't have much money to spend on these things. I'm so used to PDFs, it doesn't even bother me anymore. I'm I'm completely a, a bibliophile. I like books, not PDFs. Um, as you might have been able to tell. Yeah. With divinations, because a lot of them are kind of nasty, and they can sort of... Some of them really suit certain roles and not others... I will allow you to re-roll twice. And okay. You can keep whichever one. You basically roll three times and pick. Uh, let's roll, let's roll a d100. And 92. Ooh, high is good. There is no substitute for zeal. This character gains clues from the cloud's talent. <laughs> if he already possesses this talent, increase his fellowship characteristic by two instead. Ooh. That's a possibility. Okay, and so I get to choose that one or a 34, which is... Heresy begets retribution. 
increase this character's fellowship or strength characteristic by three and reduce his toughness or willpower by three. Nah. And one more? Uh, eight. <laughs> That's probably not very good at all. Humans must die so that humanity can endure. This character <laughs> gains the jaded talent. That might be useful. Uh, if he already possesses this talent, increase his willpower characteristic by two instead. Uh, what does the jaded talent do? Jaded keeps you from crapping your pants so often. Would he be? I don't think. I don't think the guy I've described is very jaded. He might get that way. But I think he's he's tough, but he's still caught up in the mystery of life and the mystery of things. If he was jaded, I don't think he would believe Joe's character about his skull and all that sort of stuff. Acolyte's wide travels have shown him both the wonders and the horrors beyond the ken of most. The galaxy has thrown its worst at him, and he has yet to flinch. Mundane events from the deaths, horrific visages to Xenos abominations do not force him to gain insanity points or make fear tests. Demons, warp manifestations, and other unnatural effects still affect him normally. Um, it's, it's up to you. I could see how someone who has lived in the kind of situation you've lived will have seen a lot of horror, a lot of dead bodies, a lot of nasty things. So if you want it, I think that's fair. Because it, you are, you know, you, you run with a gang that kills people. Mm. <laughs> it's mundane events you're immune to, not demons and warp and. Yeah. It's hardened okay. to violence more than anything else. Or I increase my fellowship by two. Uh, that's only if you have it already. And it's your willpower by two. Oh, okay, yeah. Totally up to you. Hmm. I can I can see both of them. Yeah, I mean, I can see him being jaded about the harsh realities of life and not necessarily about you know, technology and mm. folklore and all that sort of stuff. So fair enough. Um, Plus you love mechanics, so human life could be have very little value to you. <laughs> which so, which is something you know if if you are emulating the mechanicus human life means nothing <laughs> it really doesn't okay so i'll go i'll go for jaded then let's go for jaded um and that's in talents is it jaded i'll put the page reference in here that's something i do like about the character sheet it gives you space for the page reference just to remind you to do it yeah that is very useful the world, the acolytes watch, I was assuming both one is, uh, so there's no actual crunch there, it's all situational stuff. There's no crunch, yeah, it's just mundane horrors. So, so that's essentially my call. Uh, yeah. If I, you know, if, 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 if everyone walks into a room that is basically an abattoir, I might require an insanity check out of everyone, which you do not have to take. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm imagining that, um, repurposing bits pulled from people might be a thing I've done. Yeah. <laughs> well, your entire explanation for how you got Mechanicus implants is you found a dead tech priest or tech acolyte and basically cannibalized. Mm. <laughs> yeah, first, but somehow yeah. had someone implant it in you. Yeah. My first thought is, they can die? My second thought was, ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. I think is is that is that it done? Divination notes, gender, age, build, hair, complexion, quirk, superstitions. I dislike quirk, superstition, and mementos. You can do that if you want. Yeah, I've got a memento. It's a skill. Yeah, I've got quirks and superstitions. That's fine. Yeah, I think it's always they always have to grow organically from the character, not from a yeah old dice. So we've got a couple of things to fill in which I have no idea about, and that is common law, and it's say pick one. And then... I thought it was Forbidden Lore. And and Forbidden Lore. Okay, so let's go to the Common Lore's page. 
So common lore is, you know, it's like knowing what a government white paper is. It's like knowing vaguely how the police work. It's, 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 you know, common information that you would have as a person in the society you live. Perhaps more specific than that, but, you know, having been a cop, you know how cops work. So what about common law as in? Well, there's a list and I'm trying to find it. Here we go. Uh, Adeptus Mechanus, uh, or Mechanicus, that, that I might be able to have that, uh, as sort of the things that I put together would be common law, so specialist law wouldn't be something that, um, I would know. So the forbidden law of, of, yeah. uh, of Mechanicus wouldn't be the thing I'd the, look at. The two that would work would be Adeptus Mechanicus, mm-hmm. a general understanding of the symbols and practices that the cult of the machine god uses commonly. I think, I think that would be about right. It's either that or Underworld, so, sure. Yeah, other people can be more clued in. Clued in, yeah. Forbidden lores. Okay, Archaeotech. Knowledge of those great and lost tech devices of times past includes their mysterious function and purposes. Have to have fun role-playing that, but it would be cool. Demonology, heresy, the Horus heresy, the Inquisition, and mutants. Uh, Archaeotech might be the thing. Yeah, it would have to be. You've, you've found some bits and bobs of broken stuff that's never worked, but it's given you an idea of how that stuff might work. Okay. Alright. Uh, is there anything else that we need? Okay, there's another thing I'm just reading here. Those are ones that are specific, but you can have forbidden lore adeptus mecha- You can have a forbidden lore version of all other types of lore. So you could have forbidden lore adeptus mechanicus. You could have Forbidden Lore from anything from the Scholastic Lore page, which is Bureaucracy, Chemistry, Cryptology, Heraldry, Imperial Warrants, Judgment, Legend, Numerology, Occult, Philosophy, Tactica Imperialis. So there's a forbidden side to all of that knowledge that you also can have. So it's up to you. Yeah. So it just, just would be, you shouldn't necessarily have it, but you can... You well, yeah. There. Well, there, there, there's the... Side, you know, like with uh, bureaucracy, there is the side that everyone can know about. There is bureaucracy, la la la. Then forbidden knowledge would be who is friends with whom, who has power over whom, who's blackmailing whom, how you know how much power does the emperor still wield as opposed to the high lords of Terra who are running things. You know, there'll be with the adeptus mechanicus. You know, they are the god machine god. They have this, they have that. Now underneath it all, there are there is the schisms within the Adeptus Mechanicus, so you would know about the various different sects and theological arguments. And you know. I don't think you would. I don't think you would. No, I don't um, think you would either. But that's the no. kind of thing you would know. Okay. So I think... Is that is that the character done? Is that it? Yeah, if it you've chosen a... Forbidden Lore Architect. Yeah. The other one, other one that would make sense would be mutants, because there are a lot of mutants where you are. And you mm. have a good friend who's mutant. Um, yeah, I think I might turn a blind eye to that because it's heresy! Uh, uh, or oh, he's not a mutant. He, he doesn't count. He doesn't count as a mutant. So I don't need to know about mutants because he doesn't count. Um, yeah. And there's, there's, there's a fairly wide, 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 wide ranging, uh, approaches to mutants. Because, I mean, there are entire army units of Ogren, which are mutants. They're sanctioned. Psychers are mutants, but they're sanctioned and used, so. You're certainly, they're certainly sort of a subclass of humans, but they're not all shot on, shot on sight. To shoot all mutants on sight is pretty radical. Radical, pretty purist. 
So how do we determine age in this thing? So we're we're quite young, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, so you're, I just you're rolled, all late teens, early twenties. I just rolled two d ten. Um, and the idea is you're supposed to add like twenty to it, but let's add ten to it. Yeah. Um, and that's come out at twenty two. That's fine. Cool. Age twenty two. Maybe younger. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just put a question mark. Twenties. <laughs> yeah, he has no idea. How would he know? <laughs> um, okay, yeah, age unknown. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be fun. All right, awesome. He gives four hundred and twenty, and he just is age retarded. Mm. Okay, uh, so is that Elvis Panzera complete? <laughs> uh, let me just check. Age, gender, build, hair, courses, gear. Gear. We've done gear. the starting gear. Gear. Hmm? Haven't we done the starting gear? Yeah, but you have to put all the stats in. Uh, fuck. So. You can do that uh, if you want. The only thing I would mention is on your armor and defense sheet. Yep. With the silhouette of uh, Eisenhorn in the background. Mm-hmm. Your top left corner. There are two yep. bo- you see how there are two boxes? The little box is what your armor actually gives you. So one hit point. And the big yeah. box is your armor and your toughness bonus combined, which is what gives you your effect, your, your effective armor. Okay. Your cool. effective damage resistance. Okay, that makes sense. So your armor stacks with your toughness bonus to give you your actual. Okay, that's going to be an awful lot of looking stuff up in the book and transcribing numbers, so I don't think anyone's going to listen to that, and oh, I can do that later. Uh, you can do your movement now if you want. What's, what's the movement? It's all a function of your agility bonus. My agility bonus is four. Have we mentioned that the book is really poorly organized? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have. <laughs> and then we have fatigue as well. I need to, I mean, that's, that's the one thing of the rules that I haven't brushed up on two or three times in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Fatigue, it's I keep like, forgetting about it. Well, toughness is three, uh, toughness bonus plus W2. So fatigue bonus? is in chapter seven for whatever stupid reason. Okay, so... It's all in Chapter 7, apparently. Toughness and willpower bonuses. It's all your tens column. Yep, so willpower is uh, four. Toughness is three, so that's seven. So threshold is seven. So my fatigue threshold is seven. My current... Well, well that'll be seven, wouldn't it? What's my movement, then? What am I... Half action is your number of meters equal to your agility bonus. Okay, half action. So agility bonus is three, so it's three meters. Uh, yep. full is six meters. Yep. Run is actually a separate thing. Here it is. Ah-ha! Oh, there it is. Table. Thank you. It's four, so it's twenty-four meters. Charge is up to twelve meters. Twelve and twenty-four. Yeah, two hundred and forty-six. Got to go to the very end of the book to finish your character creation. Right. Okay. Fatigue is also here. Fatigue. I'm just doing a search on the word movement, and lots and lots of things talk about movement and movement rates and your run speed and all that sort of stuff. And yet, it's not explained until well after all that. Yep. Wow. Your fatigue threshold is your toughness bonus and your willpower bonus added together. Yep. So that gives me seven. Uh, do I, I have no psi rating, do I? Oh, no. Okay. Is, does that mean I have a psi rating of zero, or do I just not put anything in there? 
Zero. If the character's levels of fatigue ever exceed this threshold, the character passes out and is unconscious for 10 minus your toughness bonus minutes. At the end of this time, you awaken with his levels of fatigue reverted to, to a number equal to his toughness bonus. If a character's fatigue ever exceeds double the amount of his fatigue threshold, the character dies. You can be, you can die of tiredness. <laughs> uh, I, I believe that. <laughs> I believe that a lot. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> That's fairly simple, but it is insanely difficult to find. Lots of psi rating, lots of psi, again, lots Sorry, I just want to check that it's not zero. Until you have one, you can't do anything, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, raw measure of the psycho's power. Hide the. Nope. It's just okay. So you just get advances in psi rating, and mm-hmm. you buy them. You buy it. Okay, fine. Joe's Fair a psyker, which means don't stand close to him. <laughs> That's. He is the creepy friend who you all kind of like having around, but he scares you unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Like so, if you were constantly tinkering, tinkering with bombs would be about the level of danger of having a psyker in your party. I might well be. You don't know. Uh, I was trying to figure that out. What 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 skill would that do? Whether it would be chemistry, chemistry, or uh, tech use. I think it would just depend. All right, then I think we might just be done. Yeah. Uh, again, most gear, if you can justify it, I'll allow it. Nothing above average. Except maybe under very rare circumstances. And anything that's average needs to be nerfed. Yeah. I like, I like the idea of him being festooned with stuff, but it'll be useless crap. Um, or like his, his multi-tool thing is actually just loads and loads and loads of stuff that would ordinarily fit on someone's, like, key fob. But cause he's in the under, under hive. It's. I, I, I like the idea of him, instead of having, you could have sort of the benefit of a, of a multi-tool. But instead of plus ten, maybe a plus five. Mm. And but instead of a single tool, it's like fifteen kilos of tools just yeah, festooning yeah. his body. Yeah. And making a decent racket, probably. Mm, yeah. Um I'll give that some thought. I'll fill in the uh the weapon numbers and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh and the armor numbers, which should be pretty straightforward. And I will see you on Thursday. Okay, catch you later. Bye-bye. Yep. Dark Heresy is published by Fantasy Flight Games. Intro music was The Colour of Trust by The Chamber Pots, based on lyrics written by Robert Jordan in the Wheel of Time series. The song is awesome, and if you're interested in hearing the whole thing, get in touch with me by email, swordnutradio at gmail.com, that's swordnutradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at swordnutradio. Trust is the scent of a soul's last breath, and trust is the scent of what, what, the, what the opening situation is, what kind of the feel is. Um, and then, oh my fucking god, Pringles, I thought we'd ban these. So yeah, I know we banned Doritos, they're even worse. <laughs> you fucking, fuck, fucking fuck. Fucking fuck. Right, no. <laughs> Away. That's why I was eating them before. Away, <laughs> get them done. Get them down. Anyone want one? Does anyone want them? Have them now. Get them away.
Because <laughs> if you've got Pringles in a room with a microphone, the only thing the microphone is going to pick up is the Pringles. <clears throat> what do you think, Mr. G? I pity the fool who doesn't obey copyright restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 17 points of stress being uh, mind fights by that demon. However, spoilers for the first anyway, uh, forget I said that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, where do you stand on shooting the lock? Does shooting the lock? So this this is this is going to divide you between me and him. Like, does shooting the lock produce the desired effect, or does it not? Depends which lock. It really depends <laughs> on the lock and door and the weapon. Fuck you! I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> like if you. It's not Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> We've had this. High five. <laughs> I, I am I, I know quite a bit a lot of it for, for someone who lives in England I know quite a bit about firearms and ballistic effects so I'm a little bit anal offended but it's sci-fi and shooting the lock always works in sci-fi always it doesn't always no it doesn't right. return of the Jedi you shut the lock and it closes the door <laughs> oh no 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 that wasn't there either because that was our, that was someone else that was our 2 d wasn't it no it, uh, and it was it, it was it was a new hope shot, shot the lock closed the door but it, that's what kept them safe and it was just the complication was that the bridge controls the shot out as well, but it didn't get them. To, it, was, it wasn't like I shoot the lock and all those stormtroopers now managed to just see us and shoot us. Ah, ah. But I don't think that would happen. I, don't, I think that. Well, that's on a technological base. Yeah. No, it's not. That's not. That, that's that's sci-fi. not a fucking Death Star. Uh, the, the, the exact equivalent in in Star Trek: shoot the damn thing, whatever you want to happen happens. No, I don't. Reverse the polarity or shoot it. Die. Die in hell. You've got a hell But this die. is, I mean, you're thinking this is a shanty town. Locks will be physical locks and wooden doors. I don't care. It's sci-fi. There's a lock, I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is... This is... I'm just saying, so, so, so it's 305 is your starting pool, and then 60 on top of that. So your total number should equal 365, correct? No is, idea. Is my I've math correct on that? Yeah, with with D and D, the first optimization guide for the various classes, is, like min maxing, is yeah hours, if that you know. Someone came up with it, ran the maths in their head, and just went right. If you want a character that does nothing but hit, 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 and kill, 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 this is how you do it, and then rubbish everything else. And so you optimize that way, or you go, this is how to build an absolutely overpowered character who never fails at anything in seconds. With this, it's just not possible. Mm. Uh, Do not masturbate using the mechanical hand. <laughs> 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 yes, very much. It happened again. And then things like, yeah, you know, sometimes there'll be... There, there was a thing on the DM's block, which is great and everyone should listen to it, um, which is, they were talking about a character they had which is a half-orc barbarian who thought he was a rogue. And so he would just like loudly say, this is how you pick someone's pocket, and they go over and smash him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then go through the pocket on their own pockets. <laughs> Is though. It works. It, it does. Yeah. Work. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the best part. Is I can actually picture it like a cartoon as well. So, and um, just declaring that he was, that he was, you know, doing awesome sneak attacks. So he's battering something in the face of an axe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the last thing I'd ever see. Amazing. So, what kind of armor, if any kind, is available? It'll be like hang leather. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Blue Waster Club. Because this is this is the leavings of everyone else, so it's like the used fetish gear that breaks down to us.